I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have the great pleasure of welcoming Arian Dyke, who is the CMO of Booking.com. Arian, hi and welcome to the show. Hey Nadine, great to be here. I'm in the north of the Netherlands, somewhere on an island. Uh, so one of the pleasures of working from home is that you don't need to be in Amsterdam, but normally I'm based in Amsterdam, indeed, as the CMO for Booking.com. Wonderful, yes. And I, having lived in the Netherlands for more than four years. I am very familiar with your beautiful shores and islands, and I'm very jealous right now. What exact part of the Netherlands are you in right now? You said off on an island. I'm on an island called Vlieland, which is in the north, very small, doesn't have cars. That's the fun fact. So it's very quiet. The interesting thing is I haven't lived in the Netherlands for 20 years. So I just came back a year and a half ago to take actually the role at booking.com. So I make jokes to my Dutch colleagues that I've, you know, Americanized, as you say it, although the accent never really has gone, you know, so I still have my Dutch accent. So, yeah. I love it. I love hearing the Dutch accent. I remember... After four years, at the very last day when I left the Netherlands, my the senior partner in my firm handed me a book called The Undutchables. And I'm like, now you give this to me? But it's such a lovely country and amazing. So I'm very nostalgic at the moment talking to you. So thank you for joining us. And, and let's talk about this cool role. So you said it was about a year and a half ago you joined Booking.com as CMO. Tell us a little bit about your role and why you decided to take it on. Yeah, so Nadine, as you know, I worked a long time at Google for 11 years almost and had a great career in the Silicon Valley in California. And I can tell you, I miss the Californian sun for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you're in the Netherlands, it rains a lot, as you know. But there's always a moment in your career when you're 11 years at a company that there is a call you take from a headhunter. And we all know how that feels that, you know, a headhunter calls you and you're like, nah, not interested. I'm having a good time. I love Google. I think it's a wonderful company. But when the role of CMO at Booking.com came along, I was like, yeah, it's the kind of role I need to pay attention to, mainly also because 
it was a ticket for me back to the motherland. You know what I mean? So I'm quintessentially Dutch. You know, I look Dutch, I sound Dutch. And when you have parents that are aging, you know, you really think about it. I probably want to go back for the longer term. So I came back a bit earlier than I thought I would because of this job, because I always tell people I have the best marketing job in the whole of Europe. And because for many reasons, I think, I don't know if you know Booking.com well, but we're really, really, really good at digital advertising. We're very analytically driven. It's a brand that is kind of known in the US, but not world famous yet. So I will be working on that. But it's really a top 10 household brand name in many countries around the world. And so my objective is really, how do I bring that to more countries in the world, A, and then B, you know, how do I bring a little bit more emotion to the brand? Yeah, that it's Booking.com. I don't know if you know it well, but it's it's super practical, very easy. You know, it's for everyone. And I will talk about that probably a little bit more is that we're for people with a big budget and for people with a small budget. And we're for people from Korea and we're for people from Russia. Yeah? So anywhere you go in the world, you can use us. So that's something that really made me pause and then of course you know how it is you start talking you get excited and then i moved back may last year so almost a year and a half ago to join booking.com and one fun fact i left the us actually only with a little carry-on and my dog because i sold my house and everything in it so the sheets the pots and pans, I told the one who was buying my house, you know what, you have to take it all. And I, I also cleaned up my cupboard. So in terms of clothes and whatever, you know what, don't need that much. Huh? I, I did a full Mark Zuckerberg, you know, like only t-shirts and, and, and jeans, you know what I mean? Uh, wow, that's so fun. Yeah. I love starting from fresh too, because you get to go buy all new pots and pans and sheets. And oh, that's so that's fun. That's the best. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. And what's the point of moving pots and pans from, you know, the Silicon Valley to Amsterdam? There's no point. Uh, so yeah. uh, I fault. Uh, Absolutely. Well, having made many international moves, that is a smart move to not bring anything with you because it is a royal pain to move stuff overseas. But super cool. All right. So I have so many questions for you already. You started talking about how booking.com is world famous for digital advertising and analytics. And then you also mentioned that Possibly folks don't know of Booking.com. So let's just start real quickly. For those who don't know Booking.com, you are a third-party booking hospitality company. Is that an appropriate way to describe it? Yeah, I probably would call us an inspiring matchmaker. So what we do is that when people want to travel and they don't really know where to go, that you can go to Booking.com and say, I want to go to New York. And we're kind of probably the best and easiest way to book your hotel accommodation or your vacation rental with us. So that's kind of our role. We're an online travel agency, OTA, as they call it in the industry. And the uniqueness of probably Booking.com is that, you know, we do this almost everywhere in the world. So there's probably another country in the world I know of where we are not not active. Everything we do is always immediately translated in 43 languages. So if you're in Japan and you leave a review in Dutch, that review will be translated immediately in 43 languages. So it means we make it very easy for people, as we call it, to experience the world. Because if you're going to Italy or you're going to Korea, where do you start and where do you begin? Not easy. 
And uh, clearly when you're traveling within the US, it might be a bit different uh, because you say, oh, you know what? I want to go to Hilton, clear, or I go to the Marriott. But with us, you can actually look at everything that is available in a certain area and say, you know what? Maybe I try out that fun vacation rental or there's this boutique hotel that I would never have booked, you know, Mm -hmm. if I wouldn't have known of it. Yeah. And I remember you and I were chatting about this last week. When it comes to the strength of your digital advertising and your analytics, I mean, you guys have really invested in world-class approach and you coming from Google is kind of not surprising because you are a technology company. You want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. The interesting thing is when you look at the evolution of marketing, it's pretty clear that probably in the early 50s, 60s, the whole kind of research component came up and television came, advertising came up. And the way you would measure the effectiveness of your advertising and your marketing was often sales, of course, you know, very obvious, but also panels and all that kind of stuff. And if you look now at what you can measure, it's completely revolutionized huh? because, you know, with a lot of media and digital media, you now can really look at specific segments, adjust your approach a little bit and really look at your effectiveness in in very new ways. So I found it really exciting. At the same time, you still need to inspire and engage with people. So there's this kind of, I always talk about left brain, right brain. That's very rational left brain side of marketing nowadays that everybody talks about. And I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, people would talk about big data. I don't know if you remember that. Big data, big data, big data. Now it's AI. People talk AI, AI, AI. And I really believe in that part. You know, I really think it's very important. But at the same time, you also need to bring the kind of emotion, the feeling, the kind of, yeah, I trust that brand. I kind of like them. I want to do business with them, you know. And how do you achieve that in the modern day where clearly it's not only about left brain engagement, but also about right brain engagement. And I think that's the the great job I have at Booking.com is that I manage that beginning to end from the first time people book with us to kind of the customer engagement and all the programs we run to really have people return to us. And I know at one point you guys were really digging in deep to personalization attributes so that you could connect um, more specifically emotionally with your consumers. And and you actually mentioned a fact to me, which stuck with me, and I I repeated it actually since, which is, well, I'll let you tell it because I don't want to paraphrase. Yeah, it's it's the funny thing is that one of the key reasons of joining Booking.com is that working in the travel industry is fun. And clearly during COVID times, it's very challenging, you know, but it's still, you know, fun, a fun industry. And why is that? Because and, and you and I discussed that if you're thinking about the whole of your life, people actually only remember 12% of all their memories. So you must see that in the hard disk that is our brain, 12% is actually consciously available. And probably 88% is subconsciously available. And we all know how that feels when there's suddenly a smell it's like, oh, yeah, that smells like my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but a lot of the memories you have are playing in that 12% or the important memories you have playing that 12%. We play in that 12%. So when you are in travel, you play in that 12% because guess what? That trip to Paris or that special trip to New York 
that show you went to watch at Broadway are the memories you have. And so getting that right is actually really important. Uh, and most people probably will travel once a year. Uh, and we play exactly in this kind of important space of important memories. And I, I love that fact too. And mm-hmm. it's a little bit depressing though, when you think about <laughs> it, that you only remember 12% of your life. Maybe it's better, you know, that's also yeah. on the positive side. But it's really nice that we as a brand play in that 12%. And it struck me really hard because it's true. And if I think about anything about my past is related to a country I was in or a trip that I was taking. And so I would say like 80% of that 12% is travel for me. So I want to come back to where we started, which is when we say third party, you know, people have choices. They can go directly to a Hilton, a Marriott and book directly. And in fact, they have massive campaigns to bring people to, you know, click there first. Right. And yet you have access to inventory from everyone around the world. How do you, going back to that emotional connection, why would people choose booking.com versus booking directly with somebody they might have a loyalty program with? I think the most important thing is, it's bringing it back to our mission. And uh, you and I discussed that, that when I actually arrived, we changed our mission slightly. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we changed our mission to making it easier for everyone to experience the world. I think that notion of making it easier is really important. So it means that imagine that you need a specific thing in your hotel room or you have a specific requirement. If you can do that quickly without having to think through it or having to call the hotel or having to email back and forth. So the moment you can do all these things in a good way, that's fantastic. You say, I really want to have a pool. I really want to have a gym. Then we make that easy. And I don't know how it is for you when you buy at Amazon how you feel about Amazon. But the reason I bought at Amazon all the time is in the Netherlands, we have a couple of other providers, they just make it so easy. I really personally was like, okay, I need batteries. I need this, click, click, done, you know? And, And by the way, I feel reasonably good about it. You know, I didn't feel bad about it. And I think that's very similar to booking.com, to be fair, and that people can trust us and that they see for example, reviews, you know, a lot of reviews nowadays on the web are terrible. We all have what we call verified reviews that are real and that only are written by people who have stayed at the property. So that's kind of important. No? Like, how would you otherwise really trust stuff? Yeah, so that's really our role. It's as simple as that. Huh? And clearly you want to get great value. Clearly you want it to, you want to have a good assortment and you want it to be easy. And on top of that, we hope we can provide people with a bit of inspiration uh, that, that, that we can help them be inspired. Yeah. So you said earlier too, that you do everything from the very inexpensive to top of the line luxurious. Yeah. I'm just curious. Cause I love to dream a little bit myself. Tell me some crazy luxurious thing that someone can book. Well, the top five-star hotels are very often on our platform. And the interesting uh, thing is that we have our loyal customers. When you have booked with us multiple times, you become a genius member. And often when you become a genius member, you can get 10% or 15% discount, depending on the level of your genius membership. And what we often see is that people use that 10% to upgrade themselves. You know, and say, you know what, this is, and not necessarily to say, oh, I'm saving them. No, 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 people say, I have a budget in mind. And you know what, 
I'm going to that nice five-star place and, and treat myself. And that's actually very nice. And I love that, uh, that, that we're able to do that. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go shopping after we get off the phone and I'm going to check out what you got in Bora Bora. We have some and- great deals. We have some great <laughs> deals. You should have a look. Yeah. I, I will yeah. definitely have a look. Yeah. But but let's talk about the reality of travel right now because fortunately you had a little bit of a runway before COVID struck in this role. But considering you're global, it, it was probably happening already um, in some part of the world uh, when you started. Tell us what it's been like to manage through this right now. Yeah, you know, clearly the travel industry is is facing very challenging times, you know, really tough. And when you look at the current existence, you know, international travel is absolutely challenged. Huh? Mm-hmm. And so the main thing for me when the crisis hit was very obvious. Let's first look at our team. Our employees, are they safe? Let's look at our partners. What can we do with them? And then let's make sure that our customers are treated really, really well and, and really look at that uh, holistically and be very flexible. And I think also flex our marketing incredibly quickly to make sure that we are relevant and not tone deaf. Because you imagine when people cannot travel internationally, there's no point in promoting that. You know, that would be incredibly weird and I was actually very proud that in May we released a campaign the world is waiting and we showed all these kind of beautiful uh, locations like Venice and and, and the Taj Mahal etc etc that were completely empty we all know you remember those and then we say you know what you know the world is waiting and and when the, the world is back we will be back and, and come and travel and mm-hmm. So I, I think flexibility is probably the most important thing. And I spend a lot of time with my team talking about that, that, you know, the role of marketing is to accelerate momentum. I really believe in that. And when there is no momentum, there is no point in, you know, doing marketing. And you really have to adapt and, and become flexible then. Well, and, and we're going... In- here in the US and also Europe, we're going back into wave two of COVID. How long is the world still waiting? Is that still a campaign you continue to to roll out or what's going on right now? Yeah, so we have pivoted very much to kind of more domestic. Clearly traveling internationally is very, very challenged, but Mm -hmm. in many parts of the world, it's okay to travel domestically. And that's what we're focused on. And that's kind of very relevant. And we think that that's really key for us to to highlight and give people ideas, not to only stay in hotels, but also in vacation rentals. So Mm -hmm. if you want to rent a nice villa or house or apartment, you know, where you have your own kitchen, where you have, where you can do everything yourself, we offer that too. So so that really has been our key focus. Clearly still very challenging because demand is very much down from where it used to be. Mm-hmm. And and just out of curiosity, how do you work with like an Airbnb or a VRBO? Do, are they connected through your platform, just like a Hilton and a, and a Marriott? You know, Airbnb and VRBO, t- t- to be very honest and frank, they're probably key competitors of ours. So we're absolutely, you know, in, in the same business. The main difference with Booking.com is that you can both choose to book a hotel or a vacation rental. And what our big advantage is that when you want to go to a specific place, you can really make that trade-off. So do I want to stay in a vacation rental or do I want to stay in a hotel? And depending on where you are in the world and what location you are, you might have a different preference. So that's the big plus of our platform that you're able to do both uh, versus VRBO and Airbnb. 
Very cool. All right. So let's talk about the role of marketing, because I know you have a very strong point of view on this. And I I really appreciated our conversation last week on this. You've already said the role is to accelerate momentum, but you had some more ideas around the role of marketing, especially the role of the CMO. What were they? Yeah, so I love to say, and I make that joke often to my boss, for example, who's the CEO of of Booking Holdings, that I said, I'm a lazy marketer. I want to do as little as possible. Yeah, and I want to spend as little as possible. You know, so that's also important. And with that, I mean, is that when you sell a good product, you often don't have to push it that hard. Uh, When a product is really amazing, you're like, you know what, this is really good. And you don't then, you know, need to really drag it up a hill. And I think for any CMO, it's incredibly important that you think through the customer experience and say, okay, is this okay? And it might not necessarily always be your direct responsibility, but you then work with your product colleagues to say, you know what, can we make this element of our product a little bit better? Because we know that this really makes a difference. And, and that's what I mean with accelerating momentum. And that's also what I mean with being a lazy marketer is that ideally I only have long lunches. I'm joking. And God, I wish they would have long lunches again. Uh, that would be, would be together. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. But, but you know what I mean? That's really key. And that you have always a product first approach that you really look at your product and that you say, you know what, how is our product differentiated from, from other players? And what could we do to make our product better? And then you add some good marketing on top of it. And then you, you get to this acceleration of momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we often talk within booking.com and we call the flywheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the moment you have a, a good formula going, how do you really you know, make the flywheel go faster? And, and how do you then scale? And that's probably one of the key things with Booking.com that we have scaled massively in the past 10, 15 years, really thinking through that. Huh? Well, and you spent 10 years at Google. How much do you feel that that really helped you position yourself for this role today? Well, what I learned at Google, the interesting thing is I started my career at Unilever. Mm-hmm. So Unilever is really very traditional brand marketing, especially in the 90s. I'm a little bit older, huh? so, so stay with me. Huh? So, so if you would really think about you know, traditional brand marketing, you think of Procter & Gamble and Unilever, so that's it. Then I went to Capital One, which was very left brain, you know, very analytically focused, very performance marketing focused. And then I went to Google. And the, the fun thing at Google was, is that it was both left brain and right brain, was both very analytical has also very kind of more, you know, what's the heart in it? And how do you really feel about it? And that's what I loved about being at Google. And also what I love of being at Booking.com now is that that I'm there to do that, huh? to really not only focus on performance marketing or brand marketing. And by the way, I'm stopping those terms also within our company because every marketing should be performant. You know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do marketing needs to perform of course at different objectives to different activities but it doesn't mean there should not be a return on investment it might not always mean that the return on investment is a booking or a direct return it might be something else Mm -hmm. so fascinating because we have a collaboration team that's focused exactly on what's been happening this year the reallocation of spend and investment in brand versus performance and you got to take that word versus out of the mix if you're investing in brand health and brand reputation 
it just takes longer to measure and you have to be patient and it can't be about the immediate win. Whereas what performance marketing has been associated with is immediate return, right? What is your perspective on that? Yeah, so I do think that for marketing that doesn't deliver an immediate revenue return, you should have very, very good metrics that you track and that you really are sure that there is causation, the causation correlation discussion. Ideally, what you want is you run campaigns and that you say, you know, for I know for sure that in the next three months, there will be a return also on our business. I do think that in the end, any chief marketing officer is responsible for business growth, you know, and, and clearly there's certain things that you need to invest in and that's what you need to do. But business growth is in the end, you know, what, what needs to happen. And so any activity you do needs to be driving towards that. Absolutely. Great. Okay. So we are, we've already eaten up so much of this time and I have a lot more questions for you. I want, can we switch to something personal? Because you mentioned something that I think is very important that we chat about because of the way that you have been not only experiencing, but leading. Yeah. So that just happens. You know what I mean? That you suddenly, Mm -hmm. you know, five, six years into the company that you suddenly at a certain position and and say, oh my God, you know, I'm the most senior LGBTQ plus person. And the great thing about that is that there were at Google also, like at at booking.com, very active employee resource groups. So I worked a lot with the ERG at at Google called the Gaglers. Mm -hmm. And we have a fantastic ERG at booking.com called Be Proud. And, And I take that very seriously because I do think that and you and I talked about that, that being a role model within a company is incredibly important. And and I think we all will experience that from our own angle. So so if you're a woman and there are no female role models for you to look up to, how does that feel? Is that okay? Is that good? Is that what you ideally you know, would want. No. Uh, the same for me being a gay uh, uh, man, you know, like great to see role models in the, in that space. And I see that also as kind of a responsibility I have, and it's something I love doing. Uh, so one thing I also love at Booking.com, we have many employees resource groups. And as I said, I'm very active with our Be Proud group, because I do think that I have a responsibility being LGBTQ plus myself to really be that role model. And really, yeah, make a difference that way. And it's clear that you are a role model, but when you say make a difference, what are some tips that you have for other leaders out there who are trying to promote inclusivity for all? Do you have any good tips that they could follow? Yeah, I do think that making sure you're connected throughout the company so that you keep an eye on the ground as to speak is really important. I do think also is that you have to put your money where your mouth is. So what are the things you really weigh into? Actions speak louder than words. You know, like I, you probably agree that if all the time that has been said about uh, diversity was spent on actually doing stuff, hmm, yeah, I don't know what your opinion is, but that's, that's probably a big truth to that. And, and I'm acutely aware of that. And I do think it's really important. And I do think that truth-telling is really important. You and I talked about brands and booking.com as a brand. I always will advise people is that 
you have to tell truth. And to tell truth, you have to make sure that things are in place that you can tell the truth. And, and each brand and each company needs to find their own voice. So I do think that it's also important that you say, you know what, this is our voice and this is what we stand for and this is what we actually do. Uh, and we all know how it feels that diversity is an afterthought or that it looks kind of made up. Mm -hmm. And I think probably 20 years ago, you would have these annual reports with different people that were clearly models who were carefully picked together to just portray a world of, of diversity when there might not always have been a world of diversity. Uh, yeah, and we all probably recognize that. Yeah, absolutely. And sadly, you know, when you look at some of the most recent numbers, the composition in the C-suite is still not good enough in terms of having true diversity represented. So I'm grateful that you are mindful in participating with the ERGs and definitely being a role model and pulling people forward as well. That's especially a focus for us here at Hadweek with our mentor program, creating opportunity as well. So any tips that you have throughout your career that really helped you attain that leadership position? I'm sure there's thousands of them, but what are a couple that come to mind? Yeah, so generally always what I will do, for example, when we have big company meetings, I might make a reference to being LGBTQ+, but it, it, I want that also to be real. But then I probably will give an example of something we're working on, something I'm, I'm discussing that brings it back to me as a person. And I do think when you're open about that and you talk about these things, the people say, oh, it's fine to be yourself and we all know the saying bring your true self to work and you know why does it matter is that really that important yes or no i do think it is important because you spend so much time at work for a company selfishly for employees to do their best work you probably want to get their full selves to work mm -hmm. as, as much as possible and i think that's that's really that's really important and i think that something like seven questions that predict happiness at work and one question is, do you like your boss? So generally speaking, if you don't like your boss, you're in a bad position. You know, likely you're not happy. Then that do you have a best friend at work? You know, is another question, I think. And those questions are good. You no, know? like that you really say, yeah, you need to have a good boss and you probably want to have a good friend at work. And and again, to be able to have a good friend at work, you probably want to be your true self, you know, because who would you call a true friend? Somebody who really knows you, cares for you, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I really care about that. And life is just much more fun. You know? Like I also believe that about myself, but also about, about, about the companies that let's not take ourselves too seriously, but let's take our work very seriously, if you know what I mean. So that's, mm -hmm. that's really key. But for not taking yourselves too seriously, you again probably want to bring your full self to work, right? mm -hmm. that you can have a laugh about yourself. Yeah. And the interesting thing is when you talk about stereotypes, I never like to be called a stereotype. I really do not like stereotypes. When you look at me, I'm in many ways a stereotype. Yeah. So I love campy music. You know, I love Celine Dion. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm the middle-aged stereotypical gay guy. I don't want to be called one. You know what I mean? It's, it's actually very interesting. And, and I think that's kind of having a laugh at yourself. Is you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love Celine Dion too. So, hey, we got something in common there. Uh, uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. 
(laughs) She's fantastic, as are you. And I'm going to have to get that list of seven questions because I think that's really, really key. You know, we had another one of our collaboration teams is around team health and productivity and development. And we were talking about this the other day that, you know, the Gallup numbers have not changed in 25, 30 years. And Gallup measures uh, employee satisfaction at work and among other things. And just even a couple of years ago, because I don't have the most recent numbers handy, but again, they hadn't changed for 25, 30 years. Two thirds of the employee workforce are disengaged and primarily because they either don't have a value fit or they don't feel like they can bring their best selves to work. And a third of them are actually actively disengaged, which means they hate you. They're working against you. And that cost in the U.S. alone, $450 billion to $550 billion a year. Of course. Of course. I know. So, so yeah. if anybody doesn't believe there's an ROI in having diverse and inclusive teams, look at the downside of not having a, a good environment for people to work in and to really feel like they can be their best and their true selves. And and at Google, there was this project called Oxygen. You probably have heard about it. And one of the key things there was psychological safety. So, Mm -hmm. and I do think that safety is sometimes nowadays a word that is overused because, Mm -hmm. you know, if I don't agree with you, it doesn't mean it's unsafe. So I think there's a little confusion nowadays sometimes around people having different opinions. And I think it's fine to have a different opinion, but it's all about being respected, being heard, feeling that you can say what you think without repercussions. And I do think it's very important. And as management, we have a big role to play. But the the, the main point is you move an inch at at, at the top of a company and it becomes a mile when you're a couple of levels down. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we are now out of time. So I have to ask you my very last question. And I can't let you off the hook because I ask everybody this as the last question. If you were not a CMO and money and talent were of no object, what would you do? And it can't be what you're doing right now. I probably, actually, till I was 13 or 14, I almost went into music. So I almost went to the conservatory. So I, I was mm. quite good at, at playing instruments. and uh, But then I lost interest for one reason or the other. So I probably would do something like that. Uh, for Celine Dion. <laughs> My absolute dream. Don't get me started. <laughs> Super. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. And the same, Nadine. Wonderful to speak. I hope to speak with you soon again. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.